You're listening to JM Partners Atlanta Market East Drop, a quick real estate update from Jerry Metcalf Partners, real estate agents on the ground in Atlanta, talking about what it's like, what to expect, the pros, the cons, and what to consider to align yourself and your loved ones for the best opportunities. All right, everybody, it's Jerry Metcalf Partners and the Market Eavesdrop. We've got, as always, Bridget with us today, Chad Corotis, Adam Vickers, the agents with the Jerry Metcalf Partners team with Atlanta Fine Homes. But you might notice we've got a new face with us. This is Stephen Thomas with Century Mortgage. He gives us a lot of the behind the scenes stats information, helps us with clients. Um, and we're bringing Stephen in to give us a little more insight to share. Stephen, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Good to see everybody this morning. So we've been talking a lot. Last week, we talked about interest rates are going up and everybody's like, what does that mean? We talked about how the market is going to still be stable. And we tried to respectfully say it's still at like three. Um, yes. <laughs> and in the meantime, we're going to touch on two things today. One is what the market's doing now. You can always tell where the market's going and what it's doing through a very important statistic of builder markets and permits. And then we're going to go into some things in COVID that have seen negative. Not everybody wants to talk about, but they've got a lot of questions and we're going to make sure Stephen answers those. Stephen, tell us a little bit first about the market, what it's doing and what you were sharing with us about building permits. Sure. So the um, common thread in the market recently, and it's not a new thing, but it's seen more pressure around it recently since COVID has been, um, supply and demand. So supply and demand is your basic, you know, economic theories. Um, and right now, there's not enough inventory in the market, in the real estate market. Inventory is around 4.2 uh, months of supply. A healthy market has always been considered six months of supply. And as we're seeing, been in COVID, demand really hasn't changed. We've got a lot of millennials that are coming into the arena to purchase homes, um, but we've seen inventory shrink down. So everything around new construction has been very, very important. And all of the data that's being released for new construction has been very, very positive. And two key stats to look at are home starts. That's how many homes have been breaking ground. And another key stat is home permits. So how many builders are applying for permits to build new homes. So home starts uh, were up 23% from June of 2020 compared to June of 2019. That is the largest increase that we've seen since 2016. Housing permits um, is often reviewed and looked at as one of the key indicators of what the health in the real estate market looks like um, coming up in the future. And housing permits from were up in July, 19% compared to June. And that is the largest single month increase than we have seen since 1990. Wow. Wow. So we've yeah, got so everything new wise has been super positive. So we've got a stable market from 19 to 20. And not only do we have a stable market, even going through COVID, but we've actually got permits showing that we've got strong trajectory of growth in where we go. I'm gonna hit everybody with a question because everybody asked this over and over and I didn't warn Stephen, but people always say, okay, but that just means we're gonna, it's a bubble, it's a bubble, it's a bubble. 
like how do we where's the bubble <laughs> uh where is the bubble and I, how do we know i it's don't not know that there is a bubble um this, you mentioned you know, twice people, the millennial buyers you mentioned twice this morning talking about the millennial buyers and for so long we've always been told they're waiting they're waiting they're waiting and they might be tired yeah. of paying really high rents yeah. Which goes so they into were, the they were song, on the, which we also I, talked about this morning. I have like yeah. four millennial buyers. Sorry, millennial buyers. They were on the sidelines okay. and they were waiting, but now millennials are getting married. So it used to, I mean, in 2000, I think it was 2018, I heard this stat, like the largest demographic of home buyers is newly married millennials. So if you want to look to see who's buying a house, go pull out the newspaper and see Finally. Okay, so here's what's interesting <laughs> so. is the stat has been the 40% of the buyer market has been the empty nesters because they have the money or they're spending the money and they value in spending real estate. But clearly that is finally shifting to the first time home buyer slash the millennial buyer. Chad, on the, Chad is not even a millennial yet, everybody. And he hates that, except I, I'm proud of it. The guy's a rock star and he's not even a millennial. He's a Gen Zer. Just bought a house but, too. So Gen Z market. Yeah, and the Gen Zs are buying houses. I mean, there's an indicator. It may be the fact that the market's finally stabilizing. It's growing. And we always talk on this show, I love that Stephen just brought it too, is it's just a simple law of supply and demand. The demand is there. The supply is low. The builders are fulfilling it. And the builders are as nervous as anybody because it was only a little over 10 years ago, that times were so hard. And those of us that went through it, Bridget and Jerry, I don't know if you were in it, Stephen, but my God, we just can't forget. Um, I was there, but it was a different market. It was a different yes, market because people yes. were over leveraged and yes. housing was overbuilt. Um, so lending guidelines that have been released since then really protect against that. Um, people were overextended in their homes so that when their values decreased, they were upside down. Well, if my value has decreased, I'm upside down and I don't, I'm not employed anymore and I can't make my mortgage payment, where's my incentive to stay in the house? So I'm going to walk away. Uh, when you look at this market in reverse to that, we have the yes. largest percentage of ownership um, of equity in homes. There's people have more equity in their well, homes today than they ever have. Well, not a, to add to what you just said about the incentive to stay. So I remember in 2008 or nine, maybe it was nine, the house I lived in, I thought, gosh, the, the rent on this house would be half what my mortgage is. So not only was there no incentive to stay because there was no equity, there was no incentive to stay because it was half the price to go rent something than it was to pay your mortgage, which in this market, especially in Atlanta, which brings me people to Atlanta, Bridget's like raising her hand. That's driving, that, that's making the market stronger. So Bridget, what were you gonna add to that? That's the, sorry, I was saying now it's the reverse. It's not quite yeah. the reverse, but it's- It's, it's so expensive to, to rent. It's a, yeah, it's a different market. And traditionally in times of recession, the real estate market outperforms other areas. Uh, people have short-term memory, so they go back to the most recent recession, which was very, very, very real estate driven. Well, and as you look over, I forgot who's, this was actually from, um, I can't remember his name, but he's the ninja. He's a real estate coach. He used to oh, be a Larry real estate Kinkart. professor. Not Larry What's his name? Not Larry. No, but, but he has a chart that says through the years, the only recession we've been through since the depression where it's actually affected home prices was the great recession because that was actually the subprime, my air, air pods are too big. That was actually the subprime mortgage crisis so that was where it affected prices of homes. 
any, cause we want to talk to you about, let's hit on forbearances. I think there are a lot of, it's kind of the unspoken topic that we want to get some insight on, but Bridget, Chad, Adam, before we switch, so did you guys was, have anything else to add to that? I just had the question for Steven. That's, that's all just kind of understanding. Um, and I had a client who agreed that it was okay. I bring it up, but I had a client who, you know, had a question about it and trying to understand because they could and because of the CARES Act, they chose not to pay their mortgage, even though they could pay it. They just didn't want to. Yeah. So it's now they want to sell. Just to add on, I mean, it's at every price point. I mean, because the every price point, point, I mean, that's a million plus dollar home. So, right. but well, those mortgages get big, so then it becomes a bigger decision. So, right. there's a lot of people who weren't paying a mortgage, so now it's like okay they think they can't buy or they think that they're like they can't sell they try to buy another house well that's not the case and Stephen was going to speak to that so the cares act was one of the proactive responses um, that was created to help ensure the real estate market stayed in a healthy status um, and a lot of people applied and went into forbearance um, as basically an insurance policy i would say in in to be prepared in case they did have any adverse action on their employment. Um, they would already, already have it set up in place. Maybe they've already been able to save some extra dollars. Um, so really just in preparation for the what ifs. A lot of people did go into forbearance. And as it turns out, a lot of people didn't lose their jobs and their income and everything remained stable through it. Um, so really we have clear guidance. We have clear guidance on how conventional loans are handling um, clients that were in forbearance. So really there's, there's three ways that somebody can purchase after being in forbearance. Number one is they filed for it. They ended up not needing it and they continue to make all of their payments. Well, that person has made all of their payments. They're immediately eligible to purchase a home. Number two is um, somebody did miss some payments. If they fully satisfy the balance of the missed payments, then they're immediately eligible to purchase. Number three is um, once they, the forbearance ends and they make three on-time payments, then they're eligible to purchase. Consecutive on-time payments. Consecutive on-time payments. I think an important caveat of the second way to purchase, which is fully satisfying the missed payments. Um, important thing to note there is selling your home counts as fully satisfying the missed payments and that person is immediately eligible to buy a new house upon selling their old house that's huge i think a lot of people don't know that that if you went into forbearance and you 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 don't have to make up for it you don't have to even make you don't have to wait until the payments are made as soon as your home is sold and you've paid the note that satisfies the forbearance and that does not affect your credit either if you do it that way well, part of the CARES Act was that uh, loan servicers are not allowed to report these payments as missed payments. Hey, wow. Is it to go into forbearance? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chad, you can't buy a house <laughs> and then go into forbearance. That's what I was asking earlier. Like, man, hindsight's 20 Push in a little bit. <laughs> Chad's uh, wanted, Chad will get creative, right? Um, so, that I just that's powerful information. I think there are a lot of people have those questions and don't want to ask. I think the other thing it's important to know is how many people, you know, went into forbearance for the reasons that we nobody it was, there was so much uncertainty 
We still don't know what the future holds, but it looks bright. Go ahead, Chad. Well, it was, it's a great insurance policy, you know, like Stephen said, because, you know, no matter where you're at in life, I mean, or what price point or whatever, you don't know what's going to happen with your employment or whatever. And if you're on the hook with a large mortgage and, you know, you're in a position to save it, I mean, it, it makes sense. So a question that um, I think everybody probably has is that, okay, so you missed payments, you started paying your payments, you've, you're making your payment, you've made your three consecutive payments on time, but what about those three or four, I don't know how many, whatever the payments were that were missed. What about that? What happens to those? Well, so that when you exit forbearance, right, there's three main ways that you can handle exiting forbearance and handle the missed payments. So number one is uh, you can fully satisfy the missed payments. So if my mortgage payment is Two thousand right. dollars. But what month. if you didn't? That's what I, I missed three. Didn't. Then I can pay the you know six thousand to bring it current. Number two is I can add it to the balance of my loan okay. and add it to the end of the term. So instead of my you know I'm basically going to make three extra payments after my loan would have been paid off. Um, and then the third way is you can pay a prorated amount over a certain period of time, a year or two years. Now who's um, going to do that? To bring it back. Who's going to do that when you can just well, eventually think, sell it? I yeah. think you do want the taxes and insurance at least. I think you can tack on, is that how it works? I think you can tack on the actual mortgage payment, but somebody's got to pay those taxes and insurance. So that can't just go. Yeah, your escrow is always going to be um, pulled out of your escrow so, when it's due. Right. Okay. Oh, because it's an escrow anyway. So, but and, a lot yeah, of people great, but great point, escrow, Bridget. Then they have to. A lot of people have a lot more in their escrow than they, than they need. It should be a three month buffer. Right. And a lot of people have like a year and they don't realize that and they can actually get it back. So there's buffers that they, yeah. they have buffers. Bridget always knows the tricks. She's <laughs> better watch out, Chad. She's got to get you. Keep in uh, there. Style. Actually, Adam's got all the tricks. Watch yeah, out. the quiet one. Exactly. Watch out. Exactly. <laughs> So I think this is great because I, you know, sometimes I get this sense that people are like, yeah, the market's great for everybody else, but I, you know, I don't want to talk about it, but I went into forbearance or this happened, but there's so many ways for that. That's what is keeping the market going is there's so many things that are kind of built into the market that keep everybody in and everybody moving. And there seem to kind of be situations or solutions for every situation because of the CARES Act and great people like, Stephen, who know what they're doing and can help us get our keep our properties moving and help our clients move. Thank you. Anybody else have anything? To, well, go ahead. I just said thank you for joining. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, yeah oh, thanks. my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So everybody, we've got we'll have um, Stephen tagged. If you've got questions for us, take questions for Stephen. We are here to help. And thanks everybody for listening in again. Chad Kratos, Bridget Posey, Adam Vickers, watch out. And Stephen Thomas with Sanctuary Mortgage. I'll talk, we'll see you soon. Watch out. Thank you for listening to the JM Partners Atlanta Market Eavesdrop. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with your friends who might be moving or who just want to keep up with the latest on the Atlanta residential market. You can find us anytime online at jmpartners.io. That's jmpartners.io.